the way in which you talk about your skills is the most important part. You need to make it relatable and really demonstrate why it makes you a good candidate and almost sort of like a pick me approach because if you're not selling yourself and you're not being confident about what you've already achieved, then the recruiter's not going to be very interested in you. Hello everyone and welcome to the Student Lawyer podcast series. Whether you're at school, sixth form, university, thinking about a career in law or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. If you'd like to join the Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. This episode is sponsored by the University of Law. What really sets the University of Law apart from other universities is its belief that its students should learn in a realistic, professional and contemporary context. They focus exclusively on practice-based training and give students access to their extensive career service and jobs vacancy database as soon as they accept a place with them. Through the University of Law's pro bono programme, law students can hone their skills by working on real cases before they graduate. The University of Law offers a range of postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students advance at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. To find out more about the courses on offer, click the link in the description box of the podcast. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast. My name's Camilla and I'm an LPC student at the University of Law and a future trainee solicitor. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Megan Holm, a trainee solicitor at a top 40 law firm and founder of It's All Hearsay, a platform created to provide help and guidance to aspiring lawyers. In this episode, which is the second instalment in a part of three that we are collaborating with um, It's All Hearsay, Megan and I will be discussing how Megan gained her first paralegal role in London. So without further ado, welcome back to the Student Lawyer Podcast, Megan. It's it's really good to have you back. Thank you. Pleasure as always. I'm sure that many of our listeners will agree that getting your first legal role can be a challenge when you leave university. Um, Reflecting on my time at university, I remember thinking that having a law degree would make, make me a desirable candidate when entering the job market and I'd come out and people would be fighting over me but <laughs> once I left I found it so hard to get a job that I was I was temping in a sales role for about six months before starting the job that I'm in now which isn't really legal role so um, I wonder if you could share your experience and whether you think that university prepares you for the competitive legal job market. Yeah, so I was quite similar. I had to pick up a lot of different roles um, after university. I worked at Nando's for five years, which was something I actually hold very highly in terms of the experience that I gained. So um, that was a fantastic opportunity in itself. I didn't really appreciate it at the time. But yeah, that was something that I do hold very dearly in terms of creating my legal career. And then I had to pick up various different paralegal roles and things like that. But yeah, I don't think university does really adequately prepare you for what it's like in the real world in terms of law, because 
it is so competitive and the jobs that are available at the moment are just few and far between especially at graduate entry level you now have to go above and beyond pick up you know lots of different things in order to build up your quite um your cv and make yourself look more more desirable than the other applicants um you hear of these horror stories now about junior roles being advertised as requiring two years experience or sometimes now even you know they've obtained a training contract for say 2022 or whatever you know so it is very very tough um so the best advice I can give is just start early on trying to get involved as much as you can at university part-time roles are fantastic and just pick up lots of volunteering but no yeah to answer the question directly I don't think university prepares you at all and a lot more could be done there to really sort of set us up for what we're going to expect when we enter the legal job market. Yeah I completely relate to the point that you mentioned about needing experience I feel like most paralegal roles will ask Mm. for experience and the LPC and whatever else Um, So how did you manage to get your first legal role after leaving university? Uh, Through LinkedIn. Can you believe it? I, yeah, I posted a status just sort of even complaining slash ranting about the fact that nobody would give me the opportunity and somebody just popped a comment down and asked me to come for an interview. I didn't apply. I didn't send in my CV and it was a kind of a magical experience because never did I think that I had ever gained something positive from a status like that. But yeah, it just goes to show that there are so many things out there that you know you don't even know exist. So LinkedIn is an incredible tool. So I, I always tell all of my mentees to uh, utilize it and not to undermine it because it is very powerful. And there's lots of recruiters on there that you can now build rapports with and they sometimes even release jobs before they're even available. So yeah, it's something that you definitely need to concentrate on as a law student, but yeah, couldn't believe it when it first came around, it really gave me that leg up that I was looking for. And I'm very grateful that it it came to me when, when that happened. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, I wasn't expecting that answer at all. So it's, I think it's brilliant and definitely I'm sure that the listeners will um go away and now start writing uh, lots of LinkedIn posts um <laughs> so what do you think that students should be doing whilst at university to maximize their chances of securing a legal role after university I think first and foremost you need to get your CV and your cover letter on point um you know that that is something that takes a lot of time and putting lots of effort into it will help you get started hit the ground running when you um, get to leaving university now you don't have to have a lot on there but getting the right structure the right content talking about your skills in the right way is going to be really really valuable Um, speaking to friends and family to see if there's anyone that you can shadow anyone that you can pick up a week's experience with and this doesn't have to be in law it could be in a business it could be in any commercial setting anything that's going to help you um, build up your CV ultimately attend court hearings you can go to your local court and obviously now with COVID it's a little bit different but just sitting down and watching trials or any matters in your local court is very very helpful in gaining experience um, and insight there's lots of things that you can sign up for now there's lots of virtual internships but volunteering I think is probably the best thing for university students to do to maximize their chances you can join the systems advice bureau 
There's lots of things that you can do remotely now. Um, and this builds up loads of people skills because you're constantly dealing with clients and, um, you know, you, you encounter a diverse range of people. You learn time management because you're, you're juggling lots of different commitments. You're developing your com- communication skills because it might have to be oral or written. So, yeah, there's plenty of things that you could be doing. And then lastly, create your own opportunities. I say this quite a lot as well, but you could write a blog. Nobody has to read it, but you're still documenting things that you're doing and it's showing your commitment to the legal industry. It could be about your journey. It could be about a news article that you've read recently, or it could just be, you know, something that you do biannually, you know. So I think definitely try and do something that suits you and yeah just get creating because ultimately that's when the opportunity uh, start coming to you is when you start creating them yourself brilliant advice um and you mentioned at the start of your answer that um your cv needs to be amazing so w- what was your approach in relation to writing a winning cv it's, it's tough. It's really hard. And I think a lot of the time people don't sell themselves enough. So the first thing you need to do is write down all of your experiences in no particular order, not in a CV format, and really drill down into what it is that you've achieved from that, the impact you had, what you contributed, how you can make it quantifiable to so applying any kind of numbers, um, or you know whether you got great customer feedback or you were promoted, anything that can be interpreted very easily is what makes a winning CV. So if you start with the bare bones of that, look at what you've got and then try and build it into something that's logical, clear, concise, then it's going to be a winning CV no matter sort of what else you've got on there. Um, Usually a legal CV starts with the education, then it moves on to legal work experience, then any other commercial work experience, positions of responsibility and then interests and skills um interest is a really good one if you haven't got a lot of stuff on your cv because even though it doesn't demonstrate some transferable skills and being a good lawyer it gives an insight into your personality and is a really good conversation starter if you get to interview so that's a really good way to fill up your cv if you don't you know if you're lacking in some areas so yeah i think the way in which you talk about your skills is the most important part. You need to make it relatable and really demonstrate why it makes you a good candidate and almost sort of like a pick me approach, because if you're not selling yourself and you're not being confident about what you've already achieved, then the recruiter is not going to be very interested in you. So yeah, shove it in their faces is what I like to say. <laughs> I like that approach. Um so you, when you write your winning CV and you've got that all done, do you just send the same CV out to all the different firms? Absolutely not. I think this is probably the biggest mistake that everybody makes. It takes so much time and it is so boring having to tailor your approach to every single application that you do. But it really does pay off. Now, this doesn't have to be a lot. You know, you can have your template And all you need to do is look at the skills that they've got on their um, job description and tailor it to what you've already put in there. So try and use the buzzwords that they're using. And if they have highlighted a certain skill that they require you to have, so say maybe it's drafting, you know, you need to think about your writing skills and really try and bring that through in the experiences that you've already got. If they've said that they want more admin based things, then you need to bring that through more. And, you know, it's just 
looking at what they're looking for and just trying to bring that to their attention um, ultimately. So yeah, you do really need to tailor it each time, but it doesn't have to be a great deal. Okay, that's that's good to know. I, I've certainly been guilty of sending the same CV out to many people. Sometimes so. you can, sometimes it's fine, yeah. but more times than not, you need to at least change something. No, I, I think that's really good advice. So when you get to the interview stage, um, what would be your advice for, yeah, just being really good at the interview? <laughs> um, <laughs> being yourself, absolutely. You've got to be positive, smiley, happy, um, and let your personality shine through. They want to be able to see that you're going to work in a team well and that you can deal with clients, especially if it's a legal role. So that is probably the biggest part of the interview is just showing that you can get on well with people or somebody might like to share an office with you that that is the approach you need to go in with um you also need to be able to show off your experiences there's the star method uh which i go through in my interview guide which is on my blog but essentially you need to tell us what the situation is what the task is how you achieved it and then what the result was. And if you're using that approach to all competency style questions, then you're going to do really well because you're not leaving out any information. You need to ask lots of questions. Now, this can be a really hard thing, but I think in an interview, it needs to be conversational. It's not just about them asking you questions and then you answering it. You've got to be able to make it easy. Um, so, you know, asking questions back about their day, what practice areas they're interested in. If they ask you something, then, you know, you could always be like, how about you? Did you have that experience at university or whatever, you know? So just making it really easy to talk to you, um, is another good skill. And then just show your research, make sure you've done research, no matter what level you're at, try and bring through the things that you want to do when you work in that place, whether it be clients whether it be lawyers within the firm whether it be an exciting piece of work that you found really interesting just make sure you bring it through and you highlight why you're excited to work there because that's gonna win them over instantly that sounds like fantastic advice um and and you mentioned that you've mentored some aspiring lawyers um and i know from our previous conversations that you've, you've helped them to gain paralegal roles as well, which is brilliant. Um, have you noticed any trends in common mistakes or pitfalls that applicants often make when applying for roles? And how can our listeners avoid making the same mistakes? One of the biggest mistakes is not selling yourself enough um, and not speaking up when given the opportunity. I think a lot of people are scared that they're going to come across as big headed or egotistical. But more times than not, you when you're put in that hot seat, it's your chance to shine. So if you're not backing yourself, nobody else is going to. So you need to have that confidence. And I know it's easier said than done, but that is one of the biggest things in these kind of entry level roles, paralegal roles, trainee interviews, anything is coming from your personality and really showing why you deserve to be there and why you stand out from other applicants. So it's, you have to practice that, that it's a tough thing to do, but, you know, talking to yourself in the mirror, talking to yourself or or friends and family over zoom or teams, you know, we've got all of these opportunities now where we can kind of see how we're responding to things and how we, how our body language is. So just being consciously aware of those kind of things and trying to continually improve will really help you, um, to achieve, you know, good results in terms of interviews and stuff. But 
the second thing I think people fall down in on is not following up. If you submit a CV and there's the email address or the phone number of the recruiter, give them a couple of days, maybe a week to consider your application and then ring them up and do the same thing. Say, hey, I really deserve this role. I've got this experience. I've got that perspective. And I think I'll be an ideal candidate for this role. You know, please give me the opportunity. I'd love to work there. And that will really, really help because a lot of the time the recruiters are just looking for an easy fix and they will take somebody that matches the criteria in front of them. But if you're kind of not harassing them, but you're ringing them up or sending them reminders and just being like, pick me, pick me, you know, that that is going to really help you find those roles. I suppose when there's so many CVs that they're looking at, because I know some of these roles get hundreds and hundreds of people applying. So I suppose the only way you can stand out is to highlight your CV in front of them. And, you know, there's only so much you can do on on paper. Exactly, yeah. Which is probably not a good idea. I think calling calling them up really is the only way to get your name known by whoever's looking at it. So when they look at it, they think, oh, I've had a conversation with this person yeah. or perhaps they get it out of the pile. So yeah, I think that's really good. Recruiters are really good for that as well. Um, a lot of people yeah. don't actually go through recruitment agencies, but I got my second paralegal role through a recruitment agency because I built up a really good relationship with them. I didn't have all the skills that my firm was looking for at that time, but I just made sure that they knew I was hardworking and I was driven and I was committed to doing a good job and that if they put me forward, I wouldn't let them down. So, yeah, it is a lot of hard work, but ultimately you've just got to push yourself outside your comfort zone and really go for it in those circumstances. And do you think that your paralegal experience helped you to secure a training contract? And if so, how do you think that it helped? Yes and no. Um, The annoying answer, but (laughs) yes, it did give me a really good understanding of practices and processes within the law firm. So when I came to starting my training contract, I knew in a way what I was doing. There wasn't, you know, too much more that was expected of me other than the responsibility of the work. So having that background knowledge did really, really, really help. In terms of securing it, I think it is a tick box exercise, but it's not the only way to get recognised. And that's why I said no. Um, I think what is really helpful is office experience, because that helps you to understand how to do printing, emailing, time recording, maybe even just working within an office, how you communicate with different people at different levels is really helpful because it shows that you know how to operate quite professionally. Having said that, my biggest experience that I had was working at Nando's for five years. It taught me everything I needed to know for being a trainee or a lawyer because I was dealing with customer complaints, I was working in a team, I was managing people, I was being responsible for lots of different things, working under pressure, being a leader but also working collaboratively in the team. And Being able to highlight those skills and show why they're transferable is what I think ultimately helps me secure a TC. Um, And it's a very difficult skill to do, just like writing a CV. You've got to really demonstrate why they link and how they, you know, will make you a fantastic candidate. But yes, in a way, I think paralegal experience does help. But no, I think there's lots of other ways that you can show that and win over the recruiter. So don't rest on your laurels in in a sense in terms of legal experience because people that have owned businesses are going to be way more 
um, equipped at being a lawyer or, you know, somebody that's been a freelancer, done self-entrepreneurial stuff, you know, written a blog. The skills that you develop in that situation are way more important than being a paralegal um, because that's what you're ultimately going to learn during your training contract. So just really try hard to show why why you think that experience is important. Yeah, I think that's great advice because, you know, whilst it is really great experience being a paralegal and, and that would set you up really, really well to start your training contract, I'm sure. Um, I think that, yeah, maybe people kind of focus – a lot on getting a paralegal work experience when yeah. really they could also look elsewhere and be mm-hmm. able to still make a really strong application so I think it's it's definitely, definitely worth highlighting that so I just wanted to talk about the LPC now because um I know that you did the LPC before um before securing your training contract and my perspective was that you know I thought the LPC was really expensive and I wasn't really prepared to kind of pay for it before I got a training contract but actually having done the first year of the LPC part-time I think wow that this knowledge really would have helped me when it's when I was going through applications and going to assessment centers because I've learned so much so now my perspective has completely changed really but yeah I just wondered why you decided to do the LPC before securing a training contract and what advice you would give to aspiring lawyers who are trying to decide whether to do the LPC now or whether to wait until they get a training contract? Yeah, I took the jump because I knew that I wanted to be a lawyer. There was nothing else that I wanted to do. So I knew that it was something that I had to do in order to get to the next stage. So I just went for it and I worked part-time alongside it. So I had to fund my own way and it was very challenging, but it's a year. And I actually don't think it was that difficult. I mean, I don't remember it now as being, you know, the worst experience of my life. So it kind of shows that if you do manage your time well and you're committed to it and you just want to get it out the way, then I think it's a really good thing to do because a lot of the times now we are competing with lots of people at the same calibre. So if you're that step ahead and you've achieved your LPC and now you're applying for training contracts, you might be actually accepted or looked at more favorably, favorably, <laughs> favorably than um, somebody that hasn't got that under their belt. And then the firm would have to sponsor them to do that. So there's different ways to look at it. I think once you've got your LPC, you're actually um, able to take up much, many more paralegal roles because that's usually a requirement. So my view of it was just get it out of the way, get it sorted. It's going to be tough. But once you've got it under your belt, you can just hit the ground running and, you know, you can pick up all of these other things. So there's definitely pros and cons to it. But I think if it, if you know that it's something that you want to do, just get it done. I am so grateful for myself for doing that because when I did apply for training contracts, I got moved forward a year because I'd done my LPC. I was not meant to start my TC until this year, this September in a couple of months. So I, by doing that, actually bought myself forward a year um so that's something you know that you need to think about as well because if you're ready the firm might employ you straight away I know people that have done their VAC scheme in the March or the June time and then started that September because they've finished everything and they're just ready to go so there is that obviously it might not happen for you but it is something to think about you could really fast track the process um but having said that 
my advice now would probably be to hold out a little bit. I'm not too sure because the SQE is coming in and it could really, really shake up the way that training contracts operate. So I don't know what I would do if I was in the position right now because there is a lot to think about and a lot of uncertainty in terms of how that's going to operate. Technically, if I had if I had the SQE um, available to me, I would have been nearly qualified by now because I would have had all of that paralegal experience beforehand. So swings and roundabouts. Um, and I think you just have to weigh up what's, what's right for you ultimately um, and go with your gut instinct. That's definitely food for thought. So thank you for sharing your, your opinion on that. Um, and you mentioned a bit earlier that you used LinkedIn to get your first legal role. Um, so what are your top tips for listeners who are unsure about how to utilize LinkedIn effectively? Yeah, it can be really daunting. Um, and I actually find using LinkedIn a lot quite toxic because there are lots of people out there that are constantly celebrating their achievements. and It does feel quite um, disheartening, especially if you're facing some rejections. So you have to use it in moderation, but it should be used like any other social media um, site. You know, just post whenever you can. If you've got something going on in your life or something, a thought that you want to share, then just get it out there. I think try not to think too much about what's going to happen once you post it and just, you know, get your ideas out there um, and build up a network. There's people on there that are willing to help you. Um, so if you're looking for industry professionals and people that you admire, people that you want to see and hear from, then make sure you're connecting with them and sending them a detailed message about why they should connect with you um, to really build it up quite genuinely. Because if you're just following anybody, then you're probably going to experience that toxicity a bit more. Um, so yeah, just get your thoughts out there. I think just take the jump, you know, don't be too worried about it. And Yeah get it as um as true to you as what you need for your legal career because I'm sure at some point it will help you out I definitely agree and for those who haven't come across your platform before it's all hearsay or heard any of the other episodes in the mini podcast series that we've been working on please could you tell us about it's all hearsay and where listeners can connect with you of course, yeah. So It's All Hearsay is a platform that was created to offer help and guidance to all aspiring lawyers. I found the journey to becoming a trainee sister very hard um, and I didn't ask for help or look out for any good information because I didn't think it was readily available. Therefore, this was created to make sure that nobody ever feels that way. I want to be a person that motivates people to not give up and provide hints and tricks in getting you there with a few less hiccups. We offer tips, tricks, fun reels, interview guides, templates, CD reviews, and anything else you need to be a successful lawyer. Um, you can find me on Instagram at It's All Hearsay. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, or you can go to itsallhearsay.wordpress.com to find all of our resources. Wonderful. And I'll leave those details in the description box of the podcast um, or the description box of YouTube, um, wherever you're watching or listening. So you can um, have those easily to hand. Um, yeah, so those are that. that's the end of the interview, unfortunately. But um, don't worry, because we've got two other episodes for you to enjoy. So watch out for those. Um, and Megan, thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you to all of the listeners and anyone who's watching this on YouTube. Until next time, goodbye.
This episode is sponsored by the University of Law. What really sets the University of Law apart from other universities is its belief that its students should learn in a realistic, professional and contemporary context. They focus exclusively on practice-based training and give students access to their extensive career service and jobs vacancy database as soon as they accept a place. Through the University of Law's pro bono program, law students can hone their skills by working on real cases before they graduate. The University of Law offers a range of postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students advance at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. The University of Law will help you reach your ambitions by delivering an outstanding academic and employment focused experience honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. As soon as you begin your studies with ULaw, you'll learn how to think and act like a lawyer. Whether your aspirations are in law or other fields, their courses will balance academic rigour and practical skills so your career starts from day one. To find out more about the courses they have on offer, just click the link in the description box of the podcast. To hear more of the Student Lawyers podcast, hit the subscribe button and leave us a star rating and review. If you would like to join The Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com.